good morning to everyone. My name is Stuart Mazell. I'm the lead pastor here. It's great to have all of you here, and we're very thankful for those of you who are joining us online or on the podcast. Last week, we started a new sermon series that we've entitled, I Want to Know What Love Is, and we're looking to the scriptures, to the work of the Holy Spirit to show us what love is, and we see a description of what love is in 1 Corinthians 13. And we're going to be in this passage for quite some time. So we're going to be reading it over and over and over again, marinating in it. And, and my hope is that that will actually cause us to grow even more and more into the love that God has for us. So today we're starting with verse 1 of chapter 13. and reading to the end of the chapter. Again, this is the Holy Spirit speaking, not just to the church in Corinth about 2,000 years ago, but to us today. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man... I gave up childish ways, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So, now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we need you to produce your fruit in us, the fruit of love. Uh, We can't pull ourselves up by our love bootstraps and make it happen. We, We need you. And so today, as we continue to think about and to listen to what your word says and to seek to know what love really looks like in our lives. Uh, Lord, would you, by your power, because we need your power to even understand this love, uh, cause us from the inside out to be changed and transformed. Uh, Allow us to know your love for us, that we would grow in that kind of love for you and for one another. And Lord, if there is anyone here today 
that does not know your love in Christ, that today would be the day that they would hear for the first time and they would receive that love in a way that will transform their lives forever. And for all of us who do believe, strengthen us in our faith that we would grow in the type of love you want us to have. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. As I take some time to uh, wander to the, uh, the podium today, I have to giggle a little bit under my breath because there's probably some of you are like, why are you walking so slow? Get on with it. And it just makes my point that we are a now culture. A now culture. We want things now. If you don't know what a now culture is, there's this article that and, and no author was um, listed, so I don't know who, the, who to credit. But it's called Now Culture. What is it? And, and here's a quote from it. Consumers are craving immediacy and instant gratification. They expect to find the services, products, and information they want quickly and easily and don't want to wait for anything. Can I get a witness? Look, we like, as a society, we like fast food, fast internet, fast delivery. We want to fast forward through things that are going too slow or the, part, the boring parts. When we go to Disney World, we may be tempted to pay extra so that we get a fast pass in order to skip the long lines. In conversation, we tend to want people to get to the point, to cut to the chase, to stop beating around the bush. As a society, we thought it was a good idea to come up with speed dating because slow dating just wasn't fast enough. We value instant messaging, instant information, instant entertainment, instant gratification. We're even tempted to invest in those things that will make us a millionaire overnight. Not build wealth, but get wealth immediately. That's our society. That's our culture. That's who we are as Americans. We are a now society, a now culture. And in the midst of that now society, God, the Holy Spirit, is speaking to us to say, not only are we to love one another in that nowness, but also the type of love that we're to have is patient love. Not a now, but a patient love. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Love is patient. Love is patient. And we see that directly, those exact words in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes, love is patient. Now, I'm going to get all Greeky up on you in just a moment. Um, I don't normally do this because, I, you know, I don't like to just throw Greek stuff out at you. But you know that originally Paul did not write in English. Paul wrote in the, the language of the day, which was Greek, Koine Greek. 
And as he wrote this, the word he uses here for patience is very interesting. So first of all, you take the word makros, yeah, there it is, which means long, and you take the word thumos, which means anger, or perhaps passion, and you put those together and you get makrothumeo, which means to be patient. Now, just a real quick side. You can't always do this with words. You can't always say, oh, this part of the word means this, and this part of the word means this, and you mash them together, and it must mean this. Because you can't take butter and a fly and mash them together, and you get a fly made out of butter. That doesn't work. No, in English, butterfly is not a fly made out of butter. So you can't do that always. But in this case, it does work. Long anger to be slow to get angry. That's what patience is. As uh, the Tyndale Bible, in his translation, and back in 1534, love suffereth long. Had to say it that way just because it's fun to say it that way. Love suffers a long time with someone. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how love is patient, how it is long-suffering. Now, one thing that is a, 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 a misconception about patience is that it's passive. Patience is not passive. No, true patience is both active and willing. If it's true patience, it is not passive, it is active and willing. Allow me to explain this by means of an illustration. If I ask you to meet me at my office at 2 p.m. tomorrow, and at 1.30 I think, well, I've got 30 minutes, I'm going to start um, reading this book. And it's a really good book. And I just start reading it. And I'm so engrossed in it that when 2.45 hits and you walk in the door, 45 minutes late, and you say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm late. I'm so sorry. And I look up from my book and I go, oh, are you here? Oh, I, oh, hey. Well, yeah, let's just go ahead and meet. That's not patience. Because I was being passive. What would have been patient is if at 2.30... I'm looking at my watch that I'm not wearing on my arm, so I don't know why I'm looking at my wrist. I'm looking at the clock, and I say, huh, I wonder where so-and-so is. Oh, well, maybe something happened. Maybe, you know, they had a, a, an accident. Maybe they had ran into someone, and, the, you know, the mister talks a lot, and they just couldn't get away from him. I don't know. It's something. But that would be more patient. Being patient is not passive. Um, a quote that's attributed to Edward George Bulwer-Lytton, which is the same guy who said, the pen is mightier than the sword, just if you're wondering who that is. He says, patience is not passive. On the contrary, it is active. It is concentrated strength. And this passage actually bears that out, because getting all Greeky on you again... Paul does not use one adjective when he's describing what love is. 
in this passage. From verses 4 and following, where it says love is, we read in English, we read love is patient. That's an adjective. But what Paul is doing, and, and if you read it in Greek, you can see this very clearly, they're all verbs. Every single one of them. They're action verbs. And, and, and if we translate it, it might look something like this. Love demonstrates patience. Love shows kindness. Love does not burn with envy. Love does not boast. Love doesn't operate from a sense of superiority. Love doesn't treat others rudely. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not easily irritated. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things, love never ends. Again, not an adjective in it, it's all action verbs to try to tell us that when we love someone, it is about action. As um, David Garland in his commentary on 1 Corinthians says, with a slight amendment by me, Love is dynamic and active, not something static. Love is not, and this is my addition, merely conveyed by words. It has to be shown. It can be defined only by what it does and does not do. To say I love you is one thing, but in order for it to be real love, there has to be action behind it. And to say, I'm being patient with you, it has to be active. And not only active, but it also has to be willing. Again, let me use an illustration to try to help us understand this more clearly. You know that person that's really annoying to you? You're thinking about that person now. Maybe it's an annoying habit. Maybe it's just the way they talk. Maybe it's their personality. Whatever it is, there's just something that really gets under your skin with that person. And so, instead of dealing with that person, every time they walk in the room, you exit. Every time you're around them, you try your best to just stay away from them. That is not being patient with that person. That is avoiding that person. Okay? Being patient would be, yes, I know this person has something that really annoys me, but I'm going to put up with it because I love them. That's the kind of love that God is calling us to in this passage. Being patient is being willing to deal with annoying behavior willingly because you love the other person. So patience isn't passive, it's active, and it's willing. And if we're going to really understand why love is patient and, and get to the bottom of what it is, there are three things that patience as love involves. Being patient with others involves at least three things, and we're going to walk through these quickly. First, and this one's pretty obvious, being patient with others involves waiting. Waiting. As I said earlier, we are a now culture and we do not like to wait. 
I have confessed to you all that anytime I'm preaching on something, usually that week I am tested in that area, and you won't believe how many times I have had to wait this week for something. And it is incredibly humbling to see how much growth I really still need in the area of patience. Waiting is hard. In fact, I know this about some of you at least. I've heard numerous times in this congregation people say, oh, don't pray for patience because then you'll get tested. But patience is a good thing. Patience is part of what love looks like. So why wouldn't we want patience? And then those of us who do pray for patience, it sounds a little bit like this. Oh, Lord, please give me patience. I mean, I don't mean that I want opportunities to grow in patience. I've already had lots of those, and you've known that that hasn't worked. No, what I want is I want you to give me patience, and I want you to give it to me right now. not patience, is it? It's patience is something that waits. Whether we're waiting on another person, whether we're waiting on God, whether we're waiting for our circumstances to change, whatever it may be, patience involves waiting. But again, we live in a now culture, a now society, and we are always on the go. We are so busy. In fact, every time I ask someone how you're doing, maybe not every time, 90% of the time I hear, I'm really busy. Things are really busy. Because we're always on the go. And when you're always on the go, when you're always busy, you know what happens? You don't have any margin for anything. And so when something comes, up that you're not prepared for, your goals and your desires have been thwarted in some way, and you start to get upset. That's impatience. In a fascinating book called uh, Neuroscience and the Fruit of the Spirit, again, fascinating that they take the science of neuroscience and the, the fruit of the spirit combining them together to talk about how the brain works with the fruit of the Spirit, Uh, Brian Spoon writes this, Busyness is of enormous opposition to patience. Our world is extremely hasty. We are invited to more, more, more in an ever louder drumbeat. The mantra that is screamed at us is that bigger, and faster are better. But in this state, we are constantly running on adrenaline. This is the stress response. Our body is made ready for fight or flight. When we are constantly busy, we do not give our bodies the proper time to rest and recuperate We need to rest and recuperate. Being amped up and loaded with cortisol is truly killing many of us. 
just an interesting way of showing how patience is not just a virtue, that patience isn't just the fruit of the Spirit, that patience isn't just a way of showing love, patience is actually good for our bodies. So patience always involves waiting. And I know no one likes to wait, including me, but uh, C.S. Lewis in uh, his book, Mere Christianity, says this quote, and I think this is really important for all of us to remember. I am sure that God keeps no one waiting unless he sees that it is good for him to wait. Let me say that again. I am sure that God keeps no one waiting unless he sees that it is good for him to wait. God is a good father who knows how to give good gifts to his children, knows we need to grow in love, and he knows that part of that growing in love is growing in patience. And so sometimes, even when he wants to give us something really good, he says, wait for it. So that we'll grow in patience. So that we'll grow in the character that will be able to love him and love others well. So that's the first thing that patience involves. If we're going to love people well, we're going to have to wait on them. Maybe that'll mean you're talking with someone and they don't understand, and you have to wait for them to get it. And you have to explain it a second time, or a third time, or even a fourth time. <laughs> Maybe you're like me, and you're preaching a message or you're teaching something and then you say something and then immediately after someone says or does the exact opposite of what you just said. This is what you're supposed to be doing and you have to be patient with those folks because you too hear some, some things and then don't immediately put it into action. Sometimes waiting is just waiting. Like you say you're going to be somewhere at a certain time and you're not there 15 minutes in and rather than giving you the what's up talk when you walk in the door, we show patience and grace. So that's the first one. What else does it entail to be patient when we love? So there's waiting, but there's also another thing. Bearing with graciously. Bearing with graciously. To bear with means there's something about you, or there's something about me that we're going to have to deal with. And to bear with graciously means rather than rake you over the coals every time you mess up. Rather than every time you say something or do something that's just a little bit off, I have to correct you. Every time you cross a line, I have to be there. No, honestly, you don't. I'm going to say this, and this is going to challenge some of us, but it's, it's good for us to be challenged. Just because somebody is wrong doesn't mean that you have to be the one to correct it. 
Now, it may be, God may be calling you to correct it, but I can guarantee you that God is not calling you to correct everybody. can guarantee it. Sometimes we need to bear with and to be gracious with each other. I love this poem. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Because it's hard to deal with people. Okay? There's a joke that sometimes pastors use that I could get a lot of ministry done if it wasn't for the people. That's a cynical statement, but it, you know, it, it's true. People, myself included, we're difficult. We have emotions that sometimes go way out of line. We have thoughts that sometimes go way out of line. We have actions that sometimes go way out of line. And it's difficult to deal with one another, especially when we're going through something hard. And so I love this poem that says, to live above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to live below with saints we know, well, that's a different story. And it is. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to bear with. It's difficult to demonstrate love by being patient with people to bear with. And yet, that is what God calls us to. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, a passage that I have found over and over and over again to be really compelling to me of how I need to live. Listen to what Paul says under the inspiration of the Spirit. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I, I, I often joke that, um, you know, my wife is a saint because she has to live with me. I know what I'm like. I know that I can be irritable. I know that I can sometimes say things that I really ought not say. I know that sometimes I don't know where the line is about making a joke that's appropriate or inappropriate. I know that there's all kinds of things that I do and say and think that are challenging for her, and yet she often shows much bearing with, with me. And I'm so thankful for that. That's the way we're to be with each other, to bear with, to be patient, to show love to one another. And how do we do that? Well, that leads us to the third thing that patience entails. Yeah, we have to wait for each other. We have to bear with graciously. But the thing that I think that helps me the most, just conceptually, to be patient with people is this. Consider context. Considering context. Allow me to let uh, Joshua Danis in his book, Living the Fruit of the Spirit, explain this. Yes, there is a special key that will open you up to receiving the fruit of patience, 
context. In other words, keeping things in perspective, keeping an eternal perspective, seeing things in the context of God's eternal plan will help us grow in patience. There is a wisdom that comes from examining each moment of life in light of the much larger story of what God is doing. I mean, think about it. Where's one area that for you it's hard to be patient with people? For me, it's on the road, all right? Um, Donna almost broke up with me when we were dating because of a little experience of road rage I might have had. And I still struggle sometimes when I'm... (laughs) It's just funny to me to think about it because I'm driving behind someone who's driving slow and I'm like, why don't you speed up? Come on, don't you know I have places to go? And then when someone's driving really fast behind me, I'm like, why don't you slow down? Don't you know what the speed limit is? It's like I can't make up my mind which one I want to be. But it's not being patient with either person, is it? Because maybe the person in front of me has an infirmity, and they're not able to drive fast. Maybe the person behind me is on the way to the hospital, and they are trying to get there quickly so that something really bad doesn't happen. I don't know. Context changes the way we look at people. And in those moments when I am tempted to be impatient with someone, if I can just back up and say, you know what? Maybe this is what's going on with them. Maybe this might be happening. Maybe they're going through a tough time. Maybe, and just instead of jumping to conclusions about people, backing up and saying, what's the context here? Maybe this person really isn't a jerk. Maybe they just didn't see me coming. Maybe they just were uh, preoccupied with something. And that's not good, but you can give somebody a pass when it comes to those kinds of things. But even more important, for those of us who believe in Jesus, and especially for those of us who are Presbyterian who believe that God is sovereign over all things, the context of eternity, the context of how God is always at work bringing about His purposes including those times when somebody cuts you off in traffic, including those times when you're driving and every single light turns red, including those times when there's a slow person in front and a fast person behind you, and you're tempted to be angry at both. God is at work, and part of that work is to grow us in love. And what does love look like? Love is demonstrating patience to other people. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, isn't there a limit to patience? Yeah, there is. Do most of us hit that limit before we give in to impatience? No. So yeah, there is a limit to patience. Even God's patience runs out eventually. But as God describes himself, he's slow to anger. And
and he's patient with us. And in fact, this is where I believe we are most able to love others patiently is when we recognize just how patient God is with us. We are enabled to love others patiently because of the patient love of God in Christ. That's how we grow in patient love, by being enabled, by looking at the patience that God has shown us, the love that God has shown us, the patient love He's shown us. Think about the uh, call to worship that we had this morning from Psalm 103. Think about these words. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. I was talking with my kids this week, and they were, <laughs> they were telling me this story about one of the times where I got really mad at the table, at the dinner table, because they were all talking over top of me, and, and I said something with an angry tone of voice, and then one of them laughed. I was like, oh, I'm going to give you something to laugh about, child. Let me tell you, you know. I was not slow to anger in that moment. And I, and I hate it. And I, t- I told him, I, I hate that I get that like that sometimes. I hate that I let impatience take over. I want to be someone who can say, hey, guys, guys, I'm trying to talk here. I, I need you to listen because I'm trying to say something. Or just patiently wait until the other person finishes talking. And then, okay, here's what I have to say right? But instead, I wanted attention, and I wanted it now, and I got angry about it. Think about all the times that God, in his patience with you, has not slammed you, but has patiently just let his word sit there on your coffee table, maybe even unopened, rather than blasting you with some thunderbolt from above, waiting for you to open up the word and experience his truth. That's patient. Slow to anger. Abounding in steadfast love. Uh, Psalm 103.9, he says, He will not always chide, he doesn't, he, nor will he keep his anger forever. He's not a nagger. He doesn't just keep going at you. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? But that's not our God. No, he doesn't always chide. And he doesn't keep his anger forever. He doesn't hold a grudge. He took that grudge and he nailed it to the cross with Jesus. And so now he just shows us his Love. Now, yes, sometimes his love is a, is a love that is a disciplining love, but it's not a, I'm so angry at you, I could squash you like a bug kind of thought. It is a, I love you. And you know how your parents used to say, this is going to hurt you more than it hurts me? That's the kind of attitude God brings to the table 
when he has to discipline us. Psalm 103.10 says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Let me prove this to you. If somebody in this room sinned against or hurt another person in this room as many times as we sin in one day against God, I doubt very seriously we would want to continue to deal with that person patiently. Now multiply that by every day of your life. (laughs) Even if you could get it down to three sins a day, which would be amazing, God does not deal with us according to our sins. He's slow to anger. He's patient with us. He's gracious to us. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. In fact, what he did was he paid Jesus for our iniquities. Jesus bore the penalty of our sin. Jesus took on the wrath of God against our sin, against our iniquities. Psalm 103.13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. You know, one of the ways that we can show patience is by being compassionate with people. We understand their context. We understand what they're like. And we go, you know what? I'm going to be compassionate and patient. And, and that's what God does with us. Remember Psalm 103.14, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God knows our context. He knows everything about us. And he remembers how weak we are, how messed up we are, how in need we are, and he loves us patiently. In the midst of all of that. And then, even when we go astray, even when we wander from God, here's what Peter writes in 2 Peter 3.9. He says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It's His kindness that leads us to repentance. It's His patience with us that leads us to repentance. Rather than smashing us like a bug, He says, I'm going to be patient with you and wait. Why? Also in that same chapter, Peter can say, count the patience of our Lord as salvation. The patience that God has shown us is so clearly seen in the Lord Jesus because right at the exact right time, now remember, prophets were, they they were prophesying of, of, of how Christ would come on the scene and it took hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before it actually happened. And then Jesus came. And Jesus didn't come as a full-grown human being and immediately sacrifice himself for sin. No, he was a baby in the womb. And then he was born. And then 33 years of growing up. And then he was patient with his disciples when they didn't get it. And he was patient with the people around him when they, all they wanted from him was miracles. 
And then he died. And then he was patient to wait in the grave. (laughs) For three days. And then he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and now he patiently waits to come back to bring the fullness of our salvation. He could have, he could have snapped his finger like that and it'd be all over with. And there's sometimes I wonder, why haven't you done that? That seems like that would be better. But I go back to that C.S. Lewis quote, right? If God is making us wait, there must be a good reason for it. Maybe it's because we're not ready for all that God really has for us. So your action point. When you're tempted to be impatient, and let's just face it, all of us are, remind yourself of God's loving patience. When you're out on the street driving and someone cuts you off, when you're tempted to be impatient with that person, remind yourself, you know what? I've cut God off many times and told him I don't want to hear what he has to say and yet he's patient and loving with me. When you have a child that's going astray and you just want to write them off, remember that you have gone astray and God didn't write you off. When you're dealing with that annoying person and you're tempted to just either exit or give them the what's what, Remember, God could have given you the what's what long ago about your annoying sin habit, and he didn't. God is patient with you. God has loved you patiently. So as you reflect on that, then we can grow and cultivate patience, loving patience with others. So folks, by the power of the Spirit, Let's grow in demonstrating patient love to others. And I would like to pray for us that we'll be able to do that. Holy Spirit, we know that patience is part of the fruit that you have for us. We can't make patience happen, but we can rely on you to make us patient. So even now, work in our hearts that we will see the great love that Jesus has for us, the patience that we have been shown by our Father, and let that gracious bearing with, that waiting, that even understanding our context, that we would not only receive that patient love, but that we would give that patient love to others. And we pray this, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for your glory. Amen.